Welcome to Infinite Earth Radio. We believe that in a world of finite natural resources, a smart and sustainable future is only possible by lifting up people and unleashing unlimited human potential. Infinite Earth Radio will not only help you learn from bright visionary civic leaders who are building smarter, more inclusive and sustainable communities, but you'll discover how you can bring these ideas to your community. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Hancocks and Vernice Miller-Travis. Welcome back to Infinite Earth Radio, where we talk with thought leaders and change agents who are transforming the future by building smarter, more sustainable, and more equitable communities. This is your host, Mike Hancox, and today we continue our series of podcasts conducted at the 2017 New Partners for Smart Growth Conference with a conversation about making urban streets more bike and pedestrian friendly. My guest today is Grace Kyung, bicycle and pedestrian planner for TrailNet. Hi, Grace. Hi. Tell our guests, what is TrailNet? TrailNet is a 501c3 nonprofit here in the St. Louis region. We promote bicycling, walking, and transit as a way of life. And so what motivated you to become a bicycle and pedestrian planner? So I got a master's in public health when I was at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. And while I was getting my MPH, I just realized there was so much more to the built environment than health education and programming. And I felt that my MPH program, while it gave me the great foundation to understand public health, it didn't really give me the foundation to understand why planners built the cities at the way that they recommend we build them. So I kind of went through, I guess, a grad school crisis. And I was like, I can't go get a real job in what I want because all the jobs that are trying to attract just folks with MPHs, I was like, no, I want to be a planner. I want to be able to really physically change the built environment and have those tools and that background knowledge to do it. So a month before the planning program started, I got into the program. It was a really great deal. The University of Illinois has a great, astounding program. We're ranked third in the nation. And from there, I just started falling more in love with bike ped, active transportation planning. I really didn't want to ever be dependent on a car. And, and I really just wanted to create communities that were more bikeable and walkable. So that kind of led me to TrailNet and what I do today. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about why planners are building the communities the way they were and not the way that they should be. So what have you learned along the way and what do we need to do to make communities more bikeable and more pedestrian friendly? What I've noticed so far in my career is that just the way we've built cities, it's what you're always hearing that we've built it for the car to move as quickly as possible from destination from point A to point B. And because so many people are more dependent on their car, gas prices were dropping in the last couple of years. So more people are driving. BMT just has increased. BMT is is vehicle miles traveled. Yeah. And what we're noticing is that so has the pedestrian and bicyclist fatalities and motor-on-motor crashes have also been increasing over the years. So with how we've built our cities, and especially within the city of St. Louis, our streets are just overbuilt. We just have really wide travel lanes, and it's just what people have gotten used to. So more people don't feel comfortable walking or biking outside because it's just it's not as safe. And then, of course, there's other reasons that go into why some people aren't choosing to walk or bike outside. But primarily from a street design perspective, there's just 
because the lane is so wide, even if you're biking and trying to take control of it, it's still so wide, someone can pass you really narrowly, obviously. And even with walking, it's just our sidewalks are disconnected. St. Louis had unfortunately has really good examples of what disinvestment looks like and where it shows that if you are part of that vulnerable population, whether that's your race, gender, socioeconomic status, that you live in a neighborhood that isn't walkable or bikeable because you, your sidewalk just end out of nowhere. So with the paradigm of how things have been, if we're going to make actual shifts to address what the larger concerns are, we need to start looking at from a community's perspective, I guess more of a grassroots level, what's going on with these communities? How were decisions made that the cities were built that way? And if we are trying to promote more walkable or bikeable infrastructure, is that through changing policies or is that how the city funds these sort of projects and how do we work with the city in creating new structures? And obviously that's not something that happens overnight, especially if people already depend on using a car to travel. So it's having, we're, at least in St. Louis, we've been having these deeper level discussions of talking about ways that we can work with the community to understand even what they want in the first place and seeing how we can bring them the resources in order to walk or bike places. So for us, it's been talking a lot about traffic calming. The city just passed a traffic calming ordinance here in St. Louis, and it's a really great stride for them. The city staff. Could you explain traffic calming? Yeah. If somebody doesn't know what Sorry. that is. Okay. <laughs> traffic calming is exactly what it sounds like. It's how do you calm down traffic? So how do you make it for safer? for folks who might want to walk or bike and even safer for people driving. So we were educating a lot of individuals here in the city about that. And we were using tactical urbanism, pop-up traffic calming demonstrations, essentially low-cost temporary solutions for us who was using brightly colored tires and cones and fake plants and redesigning the street just for a day to help people imagine this is what a curb extension is or this is what a traffic circle would look like on your neighborhood street. So the idea is that we design streets to move cars fast. Mm-hmm. Now we want to design streets to slow them down. So narrow the lanes up, reduce, get rid of lanes, mm-hmm. create, what was the term you used? Curbs? Curb extensions. Curb extensions, et cetera. So, and what you're doing is you're doing things that show people without the physical investment in infrastructure, what would this be like? Is that, is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. So these are the kind of things you're doing with the pop-up street calming exhibits or whatever. So really kind of, I want to step back to the bigger question, which I think you're, you're starting to answer already, but you've got this dynamic where people want to live in more pedestrian-friendly communities. And there's a lot of environmental, social, economic, fiscal reasons that li- people living in more walkable communities is good for public health, for climate change, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you start moving from this? we we spent the last 50 years plus building and building and building communities that were designed for the car. So where do you start to unravel that and start to move it back to making more pedestrian friendly? And it sounds like what you're saying is the first step is kind of informing the public and getting them on board with this is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it depends on if we're talking about a local or national level, though. Let's, let's talk about the local level. Yeah. I think that that's, you know, that's what you're dealing with. And a lot of our audience, we focus on what can folks do at the local level to, mm-hmm. to move this forward. What's your strategy in St. Louis to move from where you are to where you want to be? Yeah, so Trailmed has been working working on this 
for a while in the city of St. Louis. We've been here for about 30 years now as an organization. So there's a few different ways that we've gone around working with the city on this is that one, you have to look at your data and your statistics and understanding how large of a problem it is. In St. Louis, it's shown that 12% of fatal crashes involve people walking. In St. Louis, that figure is 36%. So So nationally, it's 12%? Yes. And in St. Louis, it's 36%. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, so that's also deemed us to be known as a focus city for our high number of pedestrian bicyclist fatalities that we have. And for us, we also have chronic health disease just higher statistics with diabetes, obesity, and so forth. So it's a public health concern, but it's obviously a larger concern just because of the high number of people who are dying, also public health concern. But so from there, we were talking about, well, how was our built environment structured? How are our streets designed? And it's going back to how St. Louis just have overbuilt streets because we have streets that were primarily designed for cars. And if you're going to look back on it in more historical figures, it's that we used to be designed for the horse and buggy, some people would say, but we never really narrowed the lanes down over time. So it's educating the community on that fact, these statistics and understanding how it's a really relevant issue. And the other thing is, though, the residents already know that even before TrailNet comes in, one of the top, I guess, concerns you would have within these community meetings when you go to it is that people are traveling way too fast on my street. They're driving too fast. I don't feel safe outside walking. And it's addressing, obviously, there's so much you can do with changing human behavior directly, whether that's through enforcement or not enforcing. But for us, it's that it's an engineering concern that we know that the streets are just overbuilt for cars. We know St. Louis's population has just been decreasing over time. So for us, it's not really expecting that we're going to have a huge population shift and all of a sudden we're going to have 200,000 more people living in our city. So we know that we need to build for the city that we have now and we need to really focus on the community residents who are really dedicated to making St. Louis a safer place. So it's a nice thing for us because people are already kind of on the same page of noticing these concerns. And we really want to approach it from this engineering perspective because I'm sure you've heard the complaints with Vision Zero. If you target people based on enforcement, it's just on a racial perspective, there's just more racial profiling that goes on discrimination. And within the city of St. Louis, we have so many other issues going on. We also want to alleviate not to put so much pressure on with enforcement too. Right. So what are the obstacles to redesigning the streets in a way that are it's more bicycle and pedestrian friendly? Mm-hmm. What are the what are the big rocks that need to move? Some of it is just within the city itself. If we want to start there, it's sure. what sort of policies do you even have in place to give you the flexibility to start advocating or educating, encouraging, depending on what angle you're working from, of talking about what safer street design is. So for us, one, it's a very specific example to the city of St. Louis, is that it was essentially in some ways illegal for us to put in speed bumps. So somehow over time that's been translated, we couldn't do any sort of vertical traffic calming. Essentially, we couldn't put anything in the street that changed the street level for anyone who doesn't know what vertical traffic calming is. And we wanted to start advocating or educating people on what speed humps were, which are just, they're wider than speed bumps. They have a more of a gradual shift 
to climb over them. And they're a lot smoother for people who have to drive over them. That first step for us was to work with city staff to create a traffic calming ordinance. And the city staff and elected officials too were really on board with it. And they started creating their own task force. And last year, we just got the ordinance passed. And it was a really huge first step for the city to start really being able to have a larger discussion on what is traffic calming and how does that work within our city. The first obstacle is there are policies in place that mm-hmm. determine the engine engineering and how streets need to be designed. And so you have to you have to change all that before you can actually change anything physically. Yeah. And it's also like with St. Louis, I think it's true for a lot of local communities. You'll run into people who say, we can't get it done in our city. We're not Portland. We're not Chicago. We're not Seattle. I can list all the other larger urban cities. And for us, the neat thing was we had some grant funding that we took elected officials, city staff, key community members out to Portland to show how Portland did it. But we took it a step further. We took some other folks who also essentially were in the same background to Kansas City or other parts of within our state of Missouri, showing that other communities in our state do have traffic calming and it is feasible within the city of St. Louis. But doing these sort of what we call them as study tours was to just show people how other people are doing it so we can learn from the best out of the best and the best within our state too, because we have the model of like a show me state that is our state slogan. <laughs> and it, we, in some ways, some people do take it literally. I need to be shown that it can work. Right. And the study tours have been great ways to open larger discussions so that the let's say like an elected official comes with us, they can ask a different elected official in that different community, what did what steps does your community take to get to that policy ordinance? How can I, as someone who's elected into this position, start drafting an ordinance like that? Or how do I work with the city staff to get to that point? So that was nice to give them that sort of freedom and interaction so that they could feel more empowered to come bring that knowledge back to the community. Okay, so the first step is, you know, like people got to understand then you got to get the policy changes in place. I assume that the next big obstacle is funding. That is one of the larger, <laughs> it's always an issue, no matter what you're talking about. So is there a strategy for incrementally, like making the kind of changes and a strategy that's not going to necessarily cost a lot more money, but will phase in over time? Or is it, do you seek more funding or what's the next step? I guess it really depends on what your project is. Some projects are smaller scale. So how the city of St. Louis, it's a really, not all communities do this. So how we can get any sort of infrastructure improvements in some ways is through the our alder people because they control the capital ward funds and they get to ultimately decide which projects should be funded. So it's working with those other people working with the city staff and understanding what are the next steps and identifying within your ward what sort of infrastructure improvements we need to make. Obviously, there are ways that you could be dependent on federal funding, but we know that with the current new administration, we shouldn't really be relying on federal funding, but that we also in the past, even with the past administration, we were, at least as a planner, I always tell people you shouldn't rely on federal funding. You should really understand within your city how funding is structured. And if it's not working within your city, then what are the steps you can take? Because some people like Seattle is a good example. They just pass a Seattle levy that's going to be funding a bunch of transportation projects. But so did Atlanta. So did LA. They've been they within the city have been taxing themselves and passing levies so that they can fund these sort of larger infrastructure improvements. So a lot of communities around the country, I don't know if St. Louis is way, have they have a five-year capital improvement plan. Does that happen at like where they map out for five over the next five years, this is what we're going to invest in infrastructure. These are our priorities. This is the sequence of when those things are going to happen. Does St. Louis do that? No. 
So, mm-hmm. so that's a little unusual that community doesn't have a capital improvement plan. But I think for a lot of our, our, our listeners to understand is that, you know, in most communities around the country, I shouldn't, I say a lot, I don't know about most, but in a lot of communities around the country, they map out, they have a five-year plan so that they know they, they budget X amount a year for new sidewalks, for repavement, water infrastructure, whatever. And then they prioritize. They, you know, the, we, we can't get this done this year. So this is in the two-year budget or the three-year budget or the four-year budget. So I think with a lot of folks who would want to make these kind of changes, influencing that capital improvement plan and getting your projects into that plan would be kind of key. But yes. so here in St. Louis, that's maybe not an option. So why don't you continue with what's your strategy for moving forward to, to go from this idea of we, you got some people on board and how, you, how do you make it happen now? Unfortunately, in St. Louis, it's some ways it's reactionary. Obviously, without not a great five-year vision plan, you can't really be proactive in some ways. But the city is working on it. They are actually, they really are. The Public Works Department, we just hired a new bike and pedestrian coordinator. His name is Jamie Wilson. He works within our streets department. Our Public Works, how it works within the city of St. Louis is our streets department takes care of most of, obviously, the streets in St. Louis. But we also have the Board of Public Service that works very closely with the streets department, looks over as well street plans and helping us understand what we can do and not do in communities. So Trailnet's been working really closely with the city in helping them come up with different plans that we can move forward. For us, primarily in an active transportation window, we've been working on trying to promote what we call calm streets within the city of St. Louis. They're also commonly known as bicycle boulevards or neighborhood greenways within the city here. It was just more understandable to the public to rename it. So we've renamed it as Calm Streets. So we're creating this network of streets that have lower stress on for people who are choosing to walk and bike and using that as a connecting way. So we're working on a mapping project with the city for that. So that way it can help map where we're doing key traffic calming improvements. We're also working with the city on a new vision that Trailnet's trying to promote within the city of St. Louis and that We're trying to create a 12-mile protected bikeways and walkways improvement plan. And that's just very new. There's no set routes at all within the city. We're about to start a community engagement visioning process that will be 18 months. And the city is fully on board with that as well. And there's also been discussions even within the city department with our older people to talk about, we need to come up with a strong capital improvements plan. And we need to understand what streets we want to repave and what that schedule might look like so we can start understanding what sort of budget we really need be aiming for and how do we work from that and Trauma is hoping to be involved with that as well but the nice thing is that things have been changing have they been changing as quickly as other cities probably not but it's okay we're also under a new mayor's race so the city of St. Louis is going to be getting a new mayor within the next couple months so that of course will always impact things as well because it depends on what the new mayor's priorities are. So where can folks go to learn more about Trailnet? They can go to our website. It's trailnet.org. It's T-R-A-I-L-N-E-T dot org. (laughs) And so this may be the same answer, but if I'm a community and I want to learn more about how to become more pedestrian and bike friendly, what are the things I should be thinking about? Is there a resource for that? Would that be your website or is there... Mm -hmm. Some other website you would suggest people go to? For getting involved locally, Trailnet's a really great place. We have a few different efforts we've been doing within the city. One of them is we have a a walk bike ambassador program. So what this walk bike ambassador program does is to educate people on 
how they can make their communities more walkable and bikeable and what that might look like. We also educate people using tactical urbanism, lighter, quicker, cheaper projects, which are what I mentioned earlier, the low cost, high impact improvement project. So we use that as a tool for people to be engaged within the community and understand how they can even learn the language of how to interact with city staff and elected officials and going up to their elected official saying, we need this in our community and I know what it's called in the planning and engineering world to redesign the street. Would those resources be helpful for people who don't live in St. Louis? I think these are great ideas to start with within whatever community that you live in because having these sort of grassroots, I don't want to say advocates because if you're working on a federal grant, you can't really promote advocacy, but having just these grassroots individuals who now understand how to speak the language and know what they're trying to work within, it's given them a lot of tools and it's helped us make the impact that we're making. Of course, change doesn't happen overnight, but once you start creating this group of stakeholders that really understand it, it makes things just move a lot quicker eventually over time. So I think no matter where you live, it's a great way if your community isn't thinking about it that way to use these sort of methods. And there are other really great resources out there nationally and best practices and great community engagement tools as well. Anything you would suggest? If you're someone who's never really looked at street design or bikeway design guidelines, NACTO, the National Association of City Transportation Officials, is a top-notch guide to start with. There are a lot of different resources out there. If you're a planner, American Planning Association has a lot of different policy guides to take a look at. If you're a public health professional, it's the same thing. Public Health Association just has a lot of different efforts as well. But the neat thing is there on a more national perspective, there's been a lot of deeper discussions about this as well of how do we create healthier communities, places that people want to live in and use a lot of the resources that already exist to build up and impact the local level. TrailNet was really fortunate that we got a grant called Plan for Health. It was the whole purpose of bringing together planners and public health professionals. It was funded through the CDC and APA and EPHA helped us implement the programming that funded our tactical urbanism project. Grace, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. And thank you for the work that you do. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. We look forward to seeing you next time on Infinite Earth Radio. Infinite Earth Radio is a podcast produced by Skio in association with the Local Government Commission. To learn more about Skio, Infinite Earth Radio guests, or how you can make a difference in your community, visit our website at infiniteearthradio.com or join us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash infiniteearthradio and Twitter by following at infiniteearthradio.com.